On today's episode of Match Week Edition, back by popular demand, John Morrissey, USL Tactics on Twitter, co-host of the USL Show, covers the league as good as anybody, breaks down Sacramento's win on Sunday, and really all three of the first three games, we kind of go over a little bit of everything. Um, we talk about the league, we talk about everything in this episode. Um, I'm super excited for you guys to listen to this one. John is fantastic. So that is coming up on today's episode of The Breakaway. Grow your business with Citizens Business Bank. Since 1974, Citizens Business Bank has created banking relationships by focusing on their customers and helping them achieve more for their businesses, their employees, and the communities they serve. Choose a team that can help you achieve your goals by visiting cbbank.com to learn more. Citizens Business Bank member FDIC. Visit our friends at VJB Cellars in the heart of the Sonoma Valley and feel as though you've stepped into an Italian piazza. Taste award-winning Italian varietals, enjoy authentic wood-fired pizzas, and finish your visit with a scoop of gelato. A perfect way to spend your day and only a quick 90-minute drive from Sacramento to a slice of Italy in the Sonoma wine country. Visit VJBCellars.com or give us a call to plan your visit today. At Oak Grove Charter School, our students chase their dreams. Student advance at their own pace. EGCS offers flexible schedules, small class sizes, and accelerated learning in a fully accredited learning environment. We help students balance their academic goals while pursuing their passions in club sports, performing arts, entrepreneurship, and much, much more. Elk Grove Charter School is now enrolling. Learn more by going to egcs.egusd.net or give us a call at 916-714-1653. We're confident our students will astound you. Welcome to The Breakaway, a Sacramento Republic podcast. Bend it in the box! Unbelievable strike! My goodness, what a defensive play! Count the crowd, can't even believe it! All right, back by popular man. I've had multiple people ask me when he's coming back. He's, he's here. He's finally back. John Morrissey is here. John, how are you? Doing really well, and yeah, I'm really glad to be back. I've had multiple people come back and be like, hey, when, when's, uh, when's John Morrissey from USL Tactics coming on? And I'm excited about that because uh, more Sacramento fans have been uh, checking you out on Twitter. You do some fantastic stuff around the league, breaking down the tactics of various teams. Um, so if you guys ha- don't follow him, do so right now at USL Tactics. He also is a co-host of the USL Show podcast, which I've been listening to recently, John. Uh, it's fantastic. And we'll get to that in a second. But we have to start. Um, big win yesterday for Sacramento. You uh, you put out a bunch of stuff. You were covering the game. Uh, you put out a tweet about Duke LaCroix, um, breaking down some of his stuff. And I, I want to start with quickly the first three weeks for Sacramento. You mentioned it on USL show on the pod that you mentioned that, hey, it may take a team like Sacramento a while to get going because there's so many new new pieces. But two wins in three games. Obviously, the San Diego showing in the second half was impressive. Obviously, not enough to get a goal. But overall for Sacramento, what has been your thoughts here in these first three games? Yeah, I think it's just been an adjustment trying to amidst like visa issues, injury things, trying to figure out what's the best system when you're integrating so many new faces into the squad. And I think we're really starting to see some successful player placement. I'm thinking specifically about like Rodrigo Lopez kind of taking up more of a wide attacking midfield almost role where you would maybe think of him as more of a central midfielder, getting that rotation where Duke can come in and be this kind of late game super sub who gives you a dynamite 25 minutes as he's getting back into the mix, like finding out that Jack Gurr is really the guy on the right side. 
and then sorting out what you're doing tactically, where at least against Tulsa, it sort of turned into this like 4-1-4-1 pressing very hard in the middle of the pitch, where you these were all question marks coming into the year. And so to get wins in two out of your first three games while you're finding out all of this about your team is really positive. I think one of the things, by the way, you're absolutely right. Jacker has been an absolute beast on the right side, makes play after play, by the way, has a hell of a boot. Um, couple times he's gone from distance and I think he'll probably at least score at least one or two times. Uh, he had like, a, they're even setting set pieces for him, like, which is insane. Like they're lofting a ball to him to have him crack one. He's done it twice. One that almost went in. I think that was in the San Diego game. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm fired up, John. I mean, I feel like I don't want to get over overexcited too early, but we haven't even, you're a big Zico Lewis fan, right? And we haven't really seen him get completely untapped. He's come off in the sub role. Um, a couple of these first two matches while he tries to get going and get, you know, fully fit so he can go 90. But there's guys like that. We haven't even really got to see Connor Donovan, another one of them who can very easily be a starter going 90 minutes. A lot of these guys who we haven't really got to see start and play full minutes that are still getting back. That's so true. Zico Lewis is on his day, like an all league level creator in the USL. Donovan was so good with OKC last season. We're just seeing Videlo really get rolling. So there's like a lot left to go in terms of unlocking the full potential of what this team could end up being. I'm worried um, about some of the, the, I'm not, I'm not, shouldn't say I'm worried. I'm worried about Mark Briggs. Like what, how the heck is he going to pick an 11 on some of these games? Like, I know Kecko, when we signed him, I talked to you about him. We didn't really know much about him. There wasn't like a whole lot of tape on him, but you know, you've kind of got to see him play for a few matches here. What has been your thoughts on him? So especially in this last game against Tulsa, I thought he was completely brilliant where in terms of what they were doing with the press, he was so vital kind of tucking in from the wide positions, just making life difficult for what Tulsa tried to do as they built up the middle but he's been dynamic uh, as a creator out wide as well, taking out various positions. He's kind of nailed himself in as a starter at this point in I my mind. So yeah. And like, that was a question mark for me when I was thinking about this side. So, and, and maybe if you could, so like, it feels like compared to what we've seen in past years, this team is completely different. So we can't really even compare the two, but the thing that is interesting to me is the, the diversity they have in the attack and the different ways that they can attack teams. Um, can you break down a little bit of what you're seeing specifically in the attack that you think has been so, so successful and so effective early on? Yeah, so just as the baseline, I think especially last season, it was a team that tried their best to build through the middle in this very patient, possessive style of uh, playing the sport. And they lacked a kind of creator in the middle of the pitch that could drive those attacks and get the ball into the striker's feet. But you've sort of seen a much more varied approach where certainly that possessive creation is still a thing. This is a team that can pass it through Lagrassa to Nick Ross, get these really technical moves through the middle. But at the same time, what I just mentioned with the press where Rodrigo Lopez and Keko in those wide positions are suddenly going to cut inside really fiercely, win the ball back. And then you've got Douglas Martinez using the blazing pace, the great strength that he has to make runs in behind. So Sacramento is winning the ball high up the pitch, finding him in transition, boom. And you sort of saw a similar dynamic with that uh, winning goal where Duke uh, sort of steals it at the midway line, 
And because you've got the threat of Douglas Martinez high up the pitch, Tulsa isn't prepared when Duke just bursts down that wing. It's the winning goal. You're, um, so you're getting the sort of variation in what this team is doing where they didn't have those multiple ways of scoring goals in seasons past, and it's been big. How is that going to affect how teams are going to try and game plan for them going forward? Because it feels like, you know, hey, we got to take away this. We got to take away that. From what you've seen, is there anything that teams can like try and figure out? Maybe don't give them the blueprint, right? But um, <laughs> what, what, what do you think teams are going to try and look at here to try and take away some of those options? Yeah, so if you're thinking about like that San Diego game, for instance, right. That was a team that sat back in this back three rather than the back four that you've seen from Otolsa. And they were able to stack the midfield as a result just because they had less players in that back line. So that sort of cut out the central option that I'm talking about. If you're a team like San Diego, who for me has been maybe as good as anybody in the USL so far, you also have the players who are composed, technical, and aren't as susceptible to the press. The thing of it is, no matter what, because of how good this Sacramento team is, they're naturally going to get chances past even the best organized front. But I think trying to stack the midfield and prevent this uh, Republic side from building down the middle has to be the core tenant. And then you've got to hope you're not going to be sloppy with your turnovers. When uh, and we've seen like specifically Dougie and, and Luther Arshamet. I didn't mention him earlier as a guy who's come off the bench, who, uh, who has been effective and has done some, some dangerous things. What do you think the dimension is changes for Sacramento when So in this game, right, it was tied one, one, they needed, they knew they needed a goal late. They were not happy with a, with a draw, which by the way, I love, they bring in Luther up top with, with Dougie that changed the entire dimension of the attack. How important is that for Sacramento? Yeah, it was really this dual thing when Luther came on where he took up the striker's role and you saw Douglas Martinez move to that left side, formerly where Rodrigo Lopez was. So Lopez went deeper into the midfield. That's an extra boost of creativity when you're trying to build out. Douglas did the job in terms of that left wing getting up and down, tracking back. But when Sacramento got the ball, he moved up to a striker position as well. So now you've got two forwards occupying the defense in a way that makes the wide areas harder or uh, easier to utilize if you're Sacramento. And that was the dynamic that led to that Duke goal. So I think that the tactical flexibility that you get when you bring on someone like Luther is awesome, but you could also throw him on directly for Douglas and have maybe a little bit less finishing, a little bit less hold up play physically, but I think he's a bit pacier. He can stretch a defense more. And that's valuable in the 80th minute of a mid-season game when you're playing really tired defenders. So this team is so deep at this point that everyone brings a really distinct skill set. And I think Mark already has shown a great ability to use players in a way that maximizes what they bring to the table. His subs have been fantastic, specifically the two wins. They've been pretty much the difference makers. Um, I imagine my thought process is if Duke Luquois is ready to go 90 this Saturday, he'll be, he'll be the left back going forward um, just because of that yeah. brilliant performance. Not only was he, did he score the goal? He nearly had one earlier with a banger that went off the post. Um, hey, I'm curious to your thoughts on FC Tulsa, right? Like I was very impressed with them, especially because they beat San Diego on Wednesday. They were without Revis, one of their better midfielders and who's on international duty. 
and looked really, really solid for playing three games in what, nine days. Like I, they, yeah. they've got to be in the mix for one of the better teams in the Eastern conference. Yeah, I think I have them. I just did some power rankings and I think I had them third or fourth in the East in terms of their off season. And I've had some really good discussions with a couple members of their front office. They felt great about the attack, but they knew that it didn't mean anything because they were so riddled with mistakes in their back line. So they go out, they sign a Salvadoran international, Ronald Rodriguez, who wasn't even in this match. Right. But they added more depth in terms of Adrian Diz coming over from RGV. Uh, Petar Kuic from the Sporting Kansas City system is this defensive midfielder who I think has played every minute of the season for them so far and frankly, maybe the signing of the year. So they took what was already a really strong front couple of players. You think about Rivas and Rodrigo da Costa. And then you supplement this with a spine that isn't going to make mistakes and is stronger at passing and getting the ball to that front line. And it's turned into just this really successful mix where the sky is the limit for this Tulsa team out East, honestly. It seems like it. And like, so last week I was talking to Rob McAllister, I play by play announcer. We were talking about how the West is really deep. The East is kind of top heavy. Um, but FC Tulsa is kind of showing that, Hey, it might not just be top heavy where it's Tampa, it's Louisville. There's more teams in the middle East that are solid loud in three and um, shout out Hayden <laughs> Sarges. Um, and the, uh, it, it's just interesting. I forgot to mention, by the way, when all I was talking all Sacramento, we didn't even talk about the back line. I apologize. Todd Dunham, if he listens to this, he's going to be mad at me that I didn't bring up defenders. Um, <laughs> hey, what what have been your thoughts on the uh, on the back line, the center backs, uh, and the outside backs so far for uh, Sacramento? Love it. I mean, I talked about the fullbacks to a certain extent, but I think Dan Casey's been solid again. Talk about Desmond coming in as a new signing. Um, there was a spell in the second half where noticeably the Republic had gotten more aggressive in the way that they used their center backs to close down against Tulsa and Tulsa had made this change where they pushed their wingers higher. So that was a reaction, but Desmond comes in for an interception or a tackle and kind of just carries the ball halfway down the pitch, plays this wonderful pass into a teammate. It's a level of technique of a really effective defending that you rarely see at the USL level. And I think it's emblematic of the fact that this team has at least three like darn near elite center backs right now. And it's just more of that depth that I've been referencing where right? they're all so, so good. Well, we, t so Connor Donovan came in on the game last week against San Diego and it, they kind of went, they, they basically had three center backs in the game, but they basically used Connor Donovan as like a center defensive mid. And I believe in that system. Maybe you're, maybe I'm wrong. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Give it, yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Um, but the ability to have three guys like that in the middle, I would imagine, right. That's going to be, I mean, you know, as a, it's a long season, like let's, let's take a pause. Sometimes I have to remind myself, but those guys seem like they are constantly communicating. They're in communication with the, with the goalkeepers. And if we continue to see them have success, like what, what were some of the breakdowns or maybe, you know, let's talk about the San Diego goals that were let in. Like it didn't feel like it was because of, it was a breakdown. It felt like, you know, especially the second goal, just a loose ball. There was nobody there and guy takes a great strike and scores. There's not a whole lot you can do. Did you see the same thing on those kind of things? Sure. I'm thinking back to um, some of the examples in this match, for instance, against Tulsa, where um, 
they pushed their wingers up against Sacramento when Sacramento was trying to build from the back. And if you saw, say, a Desmond try to carry the ball a little bit, they would collapse down and have two of their forwards and a winger try to press and force a sloppy pass. There was a break or two that came off of that. Uh, Brian Brown wasn't able to finish. I know that in terms of what San Diego did, it was trying to get out on the break. And I think that is maybe the one Achilles heel at this point for the Republic where there's this creeping tendency to push the fullbacks, your Gers, your Lacroix, higher up the pitch to support attacking play. So then if you do lose possession, you're more susceptible when that team is coming at you on the counter. Um, San Diego was able to take advantage because Kyle Vassell has been just unbelievable in terms of holding up uh, play and letting teammates like Moshabane, um, Alejandro Guido run off of him in transition. So I think in many ways they were uniquely styled to kind of come at you with that approach. And if you think about the El Paso goal through Sanupe, sort of the same thing where they were able to break down the left, work it across the pitch, and Sacramento was a little bit disorganized trying to transition back. So that's something that will improve, certainly, as the players get more used to each other and figure out that balance. But I think it is something to watch trend-wise on the defensive end. I like it. Good to know. Uh, Let's talk about your power rankings. Uh, Well, actually, before we get that, you did mention that you have basically uh, algorithm that comes up with playoff odds. And you, you said that Sacramento actually jumped Phoenix in playoff yeah. odds, right? Is that correct? Yes. Or points, it is. Highest points or something like yeah, that. Expected points. Expected yeah. Points. What's going on. What's going on with Phoenix. What are you seeing with them? We love this, by the way, I am just smiling, talking about Phoenix struggling, just, just so you're aware. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. I mean, I think I've heard that from about every fan base in the West at this point, <laughs> <laughs> but Phoenix's defense looks shambolic at this point. They, when I talked about those occasional fullback issues that we've seen like two or three times total for Sacramento, that's about 10 times a half if you're Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And Phoenix in many ways is dependent on those high marauding players by virtue of their system. For years, they've succeeded by keeping the ball really high in possession, pinning you back with this counter pressure where the fullbacks are closing down immediately if you lose the ball. So then the fullbacks are also equally responsible for getting back. Well, Darnell King is up there in age if you think about the right back. It's harder for him to get in position. Babakar and Jai, I didn't love as a signing in the first place, and I think he's kind of proven why to this point in the season on the left. He just doesn't have the sense for when he needs to haul it on back towards his own end. They've had a lot of center back mistakes. Come on, Lambert and Arturo Rodriguez, for whatever reason, don't have the same kind of linkage that you saw with Lambert and a John Vaccaro in terms of doing what they need to do defensively, closing down in those counter press scenarios. So the team isn't able to execute on their tactics, but they're pretty much just sticking with those same ideas. And it's combined to be a real mess at this point. Interesting. Um, Who else? So you have your power rankings, right? I think you had Sacramento fifth. Is that right? Yeah. Fifth. You want to break down the teams that you have above them and just kind of talk a little bit about, a little bit about each of them. 
Yeah, sure. So top two, I've got uh, two Eastern teams, Louisville and Tampa. Louisville had a draw against Indy and a, a fairly weak looking Indy team, to be honest, um, in this past week. But they have just been really sharp. They're pretty much the strongest side in the league. If you look at like the expected goals, those kind of stats. What's impressed me with Louisville is the fact that their midfield is just unbelievable and never seems to age. Corbin Bone, Brian Ownby, Palido Piccolo, probably three of the smartest midfield, attacking midfield uh, players across the USL. And they showed a real ability, even though they drew that indie match, to adjust what they're doing. And I think that's important. And it's a good reason why Sacramento was so impressive to me in the second half. Um, moving over to Tampa, who I have number two. They obviously lost a bit this offseason. When you think about like Forrest Lasso, I think three-time defensive player of the year. Evan Laura was the Golden Glove winner last season. And this was a title team, yeah, or at least a team that lost in the title game, but one that had question marks, and they've dispelled all of that for me so far. They've been solid replacing Lasso. They got uh, CJ Cochran in goal over from OKC. Their attack is every bit as good as it was in seasons past, and they added Jake LaCava on loan from New York. Now, he's probably less familiar to maybe a West Coast fan base, but he's um, an early 20-somethings attacking mid really dynamic carrying the ball uh, just a great eye for running into open spaces and he's been fantastic and then so those are really i think the two strongest sides in the league overall mm -hmm. right now but neither of them have played anybody yet so that's maybe the question mark um then ahead of sacramento i've got two more western teams and that would be san diego who we've hit on a little bit um vassell their big signing striker has been great Alejandro Guido is my early pick for MVP. Oh, wow. What he does in the central midfield is just completely unbelievable. Great vision and passing, impossible to tackle. And his defensive contributions in this Phoenix game were kind of mind-blowing to me in that every time they tried to pass down the gut of the San Diego system, he was cutting out passes, putting in tackles. So they are just fantastic. And I think uh, Sacramento fans got a hint of that in the game. Um, and then I got Colorado Springs ahead of Sacramento. And that one was really a toss up for me. They have looked very dynamic and they pretty handily beat a decent Birmingham side over the weekend. Haji Berry, who won the golden boot last season, basically is playing as like a roving center central midfielder striker hybrid type where they're just kind of letting him go wherever he wants to go so long as he is aggressive in the press and getting forward when he needs to their midfield trio like zach zandy and then the uh, addition of cam lindley especially have been huge they just look so dynamic they press harder than any team in the league over the course of the last year and a half if you look at that numerically they're really hard to stop. I worry about their defense a little bit at this point, but for now, the offensive dynamism has just carried them so much that I give them a slight edge over the Republic. And I, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but it just feels like the league is so good this year. There's so many talented players in the league. And like maybe it's been weird that I just now realize it or like this season. But the amount of talent that's come into the league and that the talent across the board on every single team 
it's kind of jaw dropping. Don't you think that there's been a massive spike in talent level coming to the USL championship? It certainly feels like it. And it's really like a top to bottom sort of thing yeah. where, so like I had Charleston last in my power rankings and they've got three or four guys who you could have an argument to start for like most teams in the league no matter how bad your club is there's like a player or two in your squad who's really special and that's something you couldn't have said a year or two ago even you uh watch a ton of games uh I'm, you're using the heck out of your espn plus uh subscription i would imagine <laughs> <laughs> uh what uh what was your favorite game to watch this weekend oh boy that's a fun one um that san diego game against phoenix was certainly fun just because it's like two kind of top end of the table teams um it was a really interesting tactical matchup just because san diego kind of brings that interesting tactical side i would point to the detroit game against pittsburgh maybe um it was sort of a matinee afternoon thing and it was the second straight week where Detroit started off looking really poor and was getting overrun by a good Riverhound side and made these awesome changes in the second half. And I think a lot of people, myself included, were skeptical of Detroit being much of anything this year just because their roster was basically composed of guys they brought over from the third division, from Nisa. But the one or two USL vets that they've added have been excellent. And a lot of those NISA players look like they're really up to the task. So the combo of seeing that dynamic in action along with the tactical changes really paying off made that a good watch for me. And then you had, you know, World Cup qualifying going on. Did you happen to, uh, did you watch all the games? Did you watch the US men's national game yesterday? I'm going to be honest. I watch like next to no international soccer just because oh. I'm so, yeah. How I'm can so you, right? Okay, that's what stuff, I figured. Right? I was like, are you an alien that you watch all this game? No, that's no, it's totally good. Um, well, John, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Uh, go to his Twitter account at USL Tactics. John Morrissey is his name. And uh, when are you guys doing the new next USL pod? Um, yeah, full cast will be what? Tuesday, nine o'clock Eastern, six uh, Pacific. Yeah, you can catch them there. And it's on YouTube, I believe, right? YouTube. I think you can watch through uh, Twitter as well or something like that. Oh. And then any podcast player in the, a day or two afterwards. Awesome. John, thank you so much, man. This is great. Again, our fans have been asking when you're coming back. So we're excited to have you back. And uh, thank you so much for doing this, man. Of course. Love being here. Our thanks to John Morrissey for taking his time. I know he's busy for coming on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Coming up later this week, we'll have one more episode leading into Saturday's match, Sacramento against Monterey Bay FC, and a chance to stay unbeaten at home in this early season and jump up the ranks in the early season table. So that's coming up later on this week. If you haven't grabbed your tickets to First Responders Night on Saturday night, you can do so now. Go to sacrepublicfc.com slash single match tickets. We thank you for your support of this podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, or follow. Let someone know about this podcast who you think might enjoy it. We really appreciate it. We appreciate your support as always. And of course, go Republic!